I want to retract my statement on the previous episode where I said I love snow. I do love snow, <laughs> but I love it from the inside of my home looking right. out. I don't like to walk mm-hmm. in it. And I was like, I know. Yesterday I was outside. I just ran outside to get my work backpack and I had no coat on. I just had my outfit on, whatever. And I was like, oh, I should really clear off my windshield. I'm out there, no coat, holding one backpack over my shoulder, clearing the <laughs> windshield. I'm like, this is dumb. <laughs> you screwed yourself because yeah. I said, oh, I love snow. No, <laughs> you're good. Welcome to Book Talk Etc., a podcast bound to grow your TBR. I'm Tina. And I'm Renee. And this is a conversational podcast about books and more from two Midwest mood readers who are easily distracted by new releases. And this week, we're sharing our February Books on the Radar. If you enjoy listening, we'd love for you to follow us on Apple Podcasts or subscribe on your favorite podcast app. And if you have a minute, please consider leaving us a review or rating on Apple Podcasts or sharing us on social media. All of this truly helps other book lovers find us. Hey, Renee. Ooh, you, <laughs> you're switching things up today. You know, keep me on your toes. How's Hello. Hey, it's going great. Yeah. What's new with you? Living it up. I mean, you know, back the semester has begun. We're full swing with work. So I feel mm-hmm. like, okay, all right, this is it. I mean, for the next 10 weeks, this is going to be, it's, it's pretty, I mean, not to be like, I'm so busy, but what I could truly work from sun up to sundown from the time I open my eyes to the time I close my <laughs> eyes and feel like I've not gotten things done. But that's okay. I like that busyness. My brain works better when I have too much to do. I don't like okay. to be idle. So I'm like, no, this is week one. Talk to me in week seven. <laughs> I'll probably be like, oh my God, I need a break. But all things, all good. Well, now do you, and you, you have your book journal to look forward to. Are you doing that at the end of the day? I am looking forward to my book journal. I will periodically update it. I'm looking forward to the end of the month because mm-hmm. at the end of the month, I plan to sit down really. I haven't been adding my ratings because I found I don't want to ink it in because sometimes when you walk away from the book, you change your rating. At least I do. Okay. So I haven't put my ratings in my little journal yet because I don't want to make it in ink. So at the end of the month, I'm going to do that. When I have my list, I'm going to like fill out all my challenges. Like it's so therapeutic. It's so fun. And just, I'm really glad I started it. Yeah. It's, it's a great book journal. If anyone's on Instagram or TikTok, you've posted yes, your, I your video. So exposed. I'm like, don't look too closely. <laughs> don't read my notes now. Cause you know, it's just my personal notes. And sometimes I like to write the plot. Cause you know, we are mm. forgetting like, wait, who did it? Wh- at least I am. Who, who yeah. did what? So sometimes I'll write it down. And I thought, oh gosh, I hope no one's looking too closely. Cause you will be spoiled. And I wrote that. I said, you know, <laughs> watch out. But uh, yeah. What's up yeah. with you? Nothing. Just getting through the you know, the recent cold freeze, little snow, mm-hmm. staying busy though with reading, lots of reading. I'm attempting to keep track of my 2024 releases. So far, so good. I'm putting it in a Word doc. Okay. Yeah. And when you I'm say not, you keep, when you're keeping track of your 2024, what do you mean? Like your arcs or? Yes. Well, both. Well, anything I want to read, arcs and books that I may have requested, but I don't have a copy of, or just books that I want to read. Like anytime something comes across my radar, mm-hmm. I'm adding it to this Word doc and I'm trying to put it in the the correct order by date. Oh, but smart. then I'm also just adding a note. So I'm adding the the book, the title, or I mean the title, the author, the publishing date, 
the publisher and oh, whether I have an audio copy, whether I've requested it on NetGalley. Lately, I've added whether I was denied on NetGalley. <laughs> mm-hmm. Because if I get, if I am denied, then I know I've got to get over to Libby and put in right. a hold for that right away. So I will, I'm trying to, this is how I'm trying to stay better organized so that when I'm out taking a walk or I'm out somewhere and I'm like, ooh, I want to start this audio book. And then I'm going through Libby and I'm going through, yes. um, I still don't want to say ever and, but ever and is what Scribd used to be. So now it's called ever and. So I go through that. I go through Hoopla. I go through Penguin Random House's app or like all the places I have audios searching. Whereas if I just would help myself out and, you know, Uh keep better track like I'm doing. Mm -hmm. That's what I do in my notes as well on my phone. I have what I call the immediate TBR. And it's just like books that I'm like, okay, just remember that these exist. And when I'm looking for a next read, that's where, and I also write where I have them. Cause like with us, it could be anywhere. So mm-hmm. it's been pretty handy. Yeah. Speaking of getting organized, my loving lately is something that you all might've seen me playing with on Instagram. It is my scanner. And we'll link to the specific one that I bought in the show notes. This is the most basic and probably unnecessary purchase, but <laughs> has brought me such joy it's a scanner. It literally looks like the scanner they use at the library to check out your books. And it makes a little beeping sound when you scan the ISBN. It's wireless, but connects to your computer and allows you to scan the ISBN number so you can organize your collection. My thing is this, I have, and and what a privilege it is, but I have two areas in my house where there's a lot of books, right? Upstairs and downstairs. And I keep forgetting, what do I have? What don't I have? Like, there's just a lot of inventory and I now I'm using this app and website called Libib, L-I-B-I-B. And it is a website that organizes your books. I scan the barcode in, immediately goes to my digital library that I created and set up for myself. And then I'm on my website or my phone and I can just scroll like, do I have Gone Girl? Like, do I have this book or not? My thing is when I'm at bookstores, sometimes I'm like, oh, I want to make a purchase. And I'm like, I forget every single book I've ever read in my entire (laughs) life. And I'm like, what should I get? So this way, I'm remembering what books I have. You scan the barcode. It's in my digital library. And what I like is that in the website, you can click on the book and it gives you details, including the pub date, usually like the year, the pub year, the publisher, when you added it to your collection and the description of the book. You can also give a rating and review if you want to, which I kind of like for, of course, podcasting and content creation reasons. It'd be fun to have my little summary in there. You can also make yourself public if you really want to. You don't have to use the scanner just with Libib, though. You can use it with Goodreads. Some people had suggested that on my reel. I tried to use BookBuddy. Like, that's the one you use, right? Right. Mm-hmm. They don't have a website that, and I needed the website because that's what the scanner connects to is my computer. I'm no tech whiz, so it's very possible <laughs> I just didn't learn how to use it correctly. Please correct me if I'm wrong and you can use your scanner with your phone. I couldn't figure it out. Um, but anyway, Libib has been working perfectly fine for me. Jonathan had the best idea. Get this. He said, why don't we scan Lily's books? Because we have so many kids' books and it would be awesome to have a list of what we have So if a birthday or holiday is coming up, we can send people the link. Hey, here's what we have just as a FYI. Oh, that's a great idea. And I want to get her involved. She was playing with it. Can we play library? And I'm like, I thought you would never ask. So (laughs) it's been so fun. And my loving lately is my scanner and the website slash app called Libib. 
I love it. When you posted that on Instagram, I was like, what is she doing? And I need to know all the information. Could be anything. But like I had my audiobook on. I hit, you know, you pour a glass of wine. That's at the awesome. End of the night. Like what a what a delight, truly. Yes. What a flash it's of delight. Awesome. Now I have you you somewhat answered this question I have. It's possible you just don't know it yet. It to let's say you are at the bookstore, it's possible to use this website or app to maybe scan books at the bookstore? Is it possible to do that? And then create a different, like maybe just a to-be-read shelf that's not actually your physical books. You can create whatever shelf you want. Yes. Oh, okay. So I was trying to create a 2024 collection of my ARCs. The only thing is, obviously, the ARCs don't have the correct ISBN number. Right, that's true. So I can't scan them in. Mm -hmm. I can type it in. You can type in anything. Um, But to answer your question, yes, if you're at the bookstore, say, or wherever, um, you have your phone with you, you can scan the barcode. (gasps) Same thing. It adds it right to the collection. So really, the scanner is is just handy. You don't need it, my friends. It's just fun. (laughs) Well, honestly, that is more more fun than using your phone. Because it beats. Yeah. It's an unnecessary (laughs) necessity. That's what I've been saying. But somebody said, you, you... it's satisfying. The beep is satisfying because it makes you feel like you're buying books. I said, oh, you're absolutely correct. It feels like I'm shopping my mm-hmm. collection. And I will say when I was doing this, it, it was so nice to really sit and appreciate each title. Because I'm like, did you read this? Did you like it? Oh, I love that one. Why haven't you read this yet? Or should you give this one away? Like, It was nice to sit there and actually spend the time to do that. So anyway, I encourage you, great. if you're a crazy book nerd like us, take the time. <laughs> Inventory your your collection. I'm also very intrigued to find out how many books I have. I'm a little nervous. Currently, there's 114. Mm-hmm. That's like, I've only done like a couple shelves. I was so. going to say, you have a lot more than that. Stay yeah. tuned. If you all would <laughs> like to know, I don't know if I'm willing to share. That's kind of embarrassing. But if you want to know, let me know. And I will say it on an upcoming episode. That will also encourage me to do the whole collection. Yeah. I think everyone's going to want to know. Um, I mean, yeah. this is, you've been doing this for years and right. you have this is the what, six, seven. Years? You, this brings you joy and you have the bookshelf space. So lean into it and yeah, keep us, thank let you. us know. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. You're right. Yeah. Okay. My loving lately, Tina, if I wonder if you've heard of this and if not, I think you might be interested in it. It's a TV show. And it's called Death and Other Details on Hulu. No. Okay. I love the title. (gasps) I know. I know. I Mm -hmm. think this is right up your alley. It is set on a Mediterranean ocean liner. I mean, murder at sea. (laughs) Love it. Say less. (laughs) Okay. This is, and really what this is about is Imogen Scott. She is the main character and she finds herself in the wrong place at the wrong time and becomes the prime suspect in a locked room murder mystery. And to prove her innocence, she must partner with a man she despises. His name is Rufus, and he's the world's greatest detective. And he just so happens to be on the ship as well. Mm. Oh my gosh, is this fun. And you know, I I mean, locked room mysteries are sometimes hit or miss with me. Lately, it's been, they've been a hit. But I mean, the ocean, the ship is gorgeous. They're in the Mediterranean, and I've only I've watched the first two episodes, so the next one's not going to be available. Well, it is available January twenty third, so when this airs, it might be out by then. Yeah, do you know who stars in this as Rufus? 
Mandy Patankin. Am I saying his last name right? That's not, I've never heard that name in my life. Well, who? Yes, you have. I know you. He was on Criminal Minds Say for his name years. Again? Mandy Patinkin. If you, did you ever watch life. Criminal? No. Oh, you didn't watch no. Criminal Minds. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I know a lot of our listeners know yes. who he is. Yes, hundred percent. I don't. I've never seen him. You know what? Yeah, I'm a bad. I don't know. But he's very. He's very well known. And um, yeah, I like him in this role. And. It's fun. I mean, it is what it is. It's there's a whole lot of suspects. There's drama. There's people keeping secrets. So um, anyway, it's death and other details on Hulu. Sounds good. And you know, I was gonna cancel Hulu, but I swear they have some of the best programming. And I have the bundle with Disney. That's, That's what we thing. have too through Verizon. Uh, mm, yeah, it's a whole thing. So good. Thank you for that recommendation because it does sound like you said Mediterranean <laughs> boat. I'm good. I referenced this. <laughs> Reference cruise TikTok yesterday in my class. I was like, so who's on? I teach Psych 101. I have like 50 or so, 50 plus students throughout two sections. They're all like freshmen. I'm like, okay. I thought I like really had it. I was like, who's on cruise? Who's on nine month cruise TikTok? Crickets. Oh, no. <laughs> I said, okay, well, we must have different algorithms. I was so embarrassed. But the second hour, one of the girls was like, oh, yeah, I'm so into it too. It was, there was a reason for it. I can't remember it now, but I was like, oh, we were talking about icebergs. Anyway. <laughs> it, it it tied in, trust me. Um, but anyway, they were they just looked at me like crickets. I'm like, dang, that's what I get for trying to be cool, I'm trying to relate. <laughs> oh, that's funny. All right. I'm going to share my latest read. I loved it so much. It is so perfect for winter. I'm still in this winter kick because it's still freezing here mm-hmm. and I'm just leaning in. It's Moon of the Crusted Snow by Wabashig Rice. And I'm so glad I found this. It's so in my wheelhouse. It's a quiet, post-apocalyptic story about a small northern Ashinaabe community that one day goes dark on the brink of winter. And it's set in Canada. This is a slow burn, and people are initially annoyed that the power goes out, kind of wondering what's going on. Some people aren't taking it seriously. They're looking at their inventory like, okay, days pass. They're like, how much food do we have? You know, what's going on? They go to the shops. They're empty, kind of like the beginning of COVID, quite frankly. And then they start to realize, okay, this thing is going to last longer than we thought. And people in this community start to panic. Food supply dwindles. And while the band council and some community members try and maintain order, an unexpected visitor arrives and upends everything. So you've got this community trying to do the right thing. They're sharing food. They're rationing. Then this outsider comes in. He has arrived from the South. And he makes his way and infiltrates his way into the group. The leaders start to lose their power, tensions rise, and so does the death toll. Frustrated by the building chaos, a group of young friends and their families turn to the land and the Anishinaabe tradition of helping their community thrive again. So they're hunting and they're just kind of turning back to their traditions. I absolutely love this book. It's quiet, but there's a sense of creeping dread that permeates. The main character was excellent. He was a very reluctant hero. He was flawed. He didn't want to be in this position, but he's got a family and he's got to do what he has to do and was definitely someone to root for. I love learning about their community and culture. It's an own voices book. And the writing was very, very solid. It's post-apocalyptic, but it's not scary in any way. The only way it's scary is like, oh, this could happen. How prepared are you? You know, that sort of thing. It's not sci-fi. It's just something happened and now what? You have to survive. It's haunting. That's the word that I would use for this. 
It's about the effects of colonialism and the importance of family. I was delighted to see that there's a second book coming out in February, which you'll hear about very soon because it's one of my books on the radar. I did the audio and highly recommend it. It's narrated by Billy Morasti, who is an actor, playwright, Cree translator, and language keeper. So a lot of the language felt very authentic, at least to me. This book was great. It was Moon of the Crusted Snow by Wabashig Rice. Oh, okay. I can picture that title. I mean, the title and the cover, exactly. I came across it online, and I had never heard of it. I thought, oh, I've got an under-the-radar title for you guys. I looked it up on Goodreads. It's got like 20,000 reviews. So it was just under my <laughs> radar. It came out in 2018. So I'm always excited when there's been, been a quite lull in between book one and two. Although I will say, book two sounds like it's a standalone. It's just the same people and the same community, but it's set 10 years later. Oh, so okay. book one did not feel unfinished in any way. It just felt like, okay, that's the story. But I was kind of wondering, oh, what's going to happen to these people? How's, you know... What next? So I'm glad we're going to find out. Isn't that the best when you you finish a book like, and the author has another one? It's been, what, five years? And yeah, you get to mm-hmm. read the very next one in a month or whatever. You said five years, and I thought, no, it's been like one, one or two years. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Time. I yes. know. It does seem like 2018 was yesterday. But, okay, my latest read is Two Women Walk Into a Bar by Cheryl Strayed. Have you heard of this one, Tina? No, actually, I don't think I have. I feel like I knew you were reading it, but I have not heard of it. Yeah, this is her new new one. Just came out in January. It's a new short memoir, short 31 pages. Oh my (laughs) gosh. But yeah, it was, I mean, perfect. I would, this was perfect because I was in between, like I just read a a long book and some thrillers and I was like, oh, I didn't know Cheryl Strayed had a any sort of memoir coming out, so let me give it a try. Um, this is about love, of course, because that's what she writes about, family secrets and reconciliation. This is about her relationship with her mother-in-law, and it's, it's set about 21 years after she had like set off on the Pacific Crest Trail to heal from the death of her own mother. And Cheryl's mother-in-law in in this uh, memoir, her name is Joan, and she is given weeks to live. And so Cheryl and her husband um, start to help Joan through her final days. And as this happens, Cheryl reckons with her very complicated relationship with her mother-in-law that has been complicated throughout the entire time they've been married. She is determined to connect with Joan, who really did both show her love and sometimes hilariously held her at a distance. Um, Cheryl reflects on their two decades together as she comes to a deeper understanding of the secrets and sorrows in Joan's complicated past. Joan had an absolutely complicated history that, I mean, I'm just in awe that Cheryl was able to share that on as well as the you know, the current story or the current details in such like limited pages. So it is at Joan's bedside in her last days that they really contemplate the challenges they face together and move towards accepting their differences and to find some healing in goodbye. Um, This was such a great read. I mean, beginning to end, I loved it. And why I think I loved it so much, this is a topic I'm interested in. 
I really like how Cheryl Stray writes about love and family relationships. And she's honest. I mean, she is honest in what she shares. It is very authentic. This is not a blaming the mother-in-law sort of account. This is just honest. And it is really interesting the way she starts it, which is how they met, which was in a bar. And it kind of sets off this their story and their relationship together. And I don't know. I think there is something to be said for short, impactful books. Like whether or not you just need something in between some, uh, like even though this is about someone at the end of their life, it's still an uplifting story. It's still about love and forgiveness and, you know, saying goodbye and all of that. So I think this is just a, just a great book. It is Two Women Walk Into a Bar by Cheryl Strayed. What a good find. Yeah. I guess I, I hadn't heard of it. Maybe I thought. I didn't maybe. think, I was going to say, I didn't think that no. I had mentioned it before. <laughs> maybe I read your mind. You put it in the universe and I thought I received. <laughs> uh, yes. Alrighty. Let's get into our book list. We are trying something a little bit different. You may probably won't even notice, but for our Books on the Radar <laughs> episodes, we are going to be sharing five titles each instead of sharing a little bit of book talk. So mm-hmm. nothing changes, but we will be sharing a few more titles for you each month. I'll start with the sequel to my latest read, uh, even though it doesn't come out until the end of February, but since we were just talking about it, it's Moon of the Turning Leaves by Wabashig Rice. And I'm really excited again. This says, I say sequel, but the synopsis says this is a standalone literary thriller that's set in the same world as Moon of the Crusted Snow. So just keep that in mind. I don't think there's a ton of spoilers, but a scouting party is led by Evan Whitesky, who was the main character from the previous book. And they venture into unknown and dangerous territory to find a new home in their close-knit Northern Ontario Indigenous community more than a decade after a world-ending blackout. And for the past 12 years, the community of Anishinaabe people have made the Northern Ontario bush their home in the wake of a power failure that brought about societal collapse. Since then, they have survived and thrived their way their ancestors did, but their natural food resources are dwindling and the time has come to move on and find a new home. Evan volunteers to lead a mission south to explore the possibility of moving back to their original homeland, the, quote, land where the birch trees grow by the big water, end quote, in the Great Lakes region. So they're venturing south. He's accompanied by five others, including his daughter, Nangons, who's an expert archer. And Evan begins a journey that will take him where the Anishinaabe were once settled, near the devastated city of Gibson, a land now being reclaimed by nature. But it isn't just the wilderness that poses a threat. They encounter other survivors, those who, like the Anishinaabe, live in harmony with the land and those who use violence. Mm. My only note for this is gimme. Give me this book. I need to know. <laughs> I'm going to hop right in. Oh my God. Yeah. Oh, and I think I mentioned the audiobook narrator is the same guy who narrated book one. And I love his voice. It's very authentic. It's very unique. It's quirky, but it's, I don't know how to say it. His own voices. So it sounds, he says the words like they should sound, but I don't know how to say that. Mm -hmm. It's authentic. And I just really now associate, I can still hear his voice and I associate that voice with that character. So I'm glad he's returning for the audiobook. That is Moon of the Turning Leaves by Wabashig Rice. And that one comes out on February 27th. Oh, okay. I love that you're, you're, you're going with a literary thriller. 
literary thriller. All right. right. Now, I will say the last one wasn't particular. I wouldn't call it a thriller. I'd call it suspenseful, but I'm picky with those definitions. So, you know, I don't think this is a shoot 'em up, but there's actually there were some thrilling elements. So, anyway, I'll stop talking. All right. (laughs) Go ahead. (laughs) All right. I am going to start with Ordinary Human Failings by Megan Nolan, and it comes out February 6th. And the initial setup of this is what really grabbed me. The premise is when a 10-year-old child is suspected of a violent crime, her family must face the truth about their past in this haunting, propulsive, psychologically astute story about class, trauma, and family secrets. And in this story, which is set in 1990, we are in London. And Tom Hargreaves has it all, a burgeoning career as a reporter, fierce ambition, and a brisk disregard for the, quote, peasants or the ordinary people. His readers, easy tabloid fodder. His star seems set to rise when he stumbles across a sensational scoop. A dead child on a London estate, grieving parents beloved across the neighborhood, and the finger of suspicion pointing at one reclusive family of Irish immigrants and, quote, bad apples, the Green family. At their heart sits Carmel, beautiful, otherworldly, broken, and once destined for a future beyond her circumstances until life and love got in her way. Crushed by failure and surrounded by disappointment, there's nowhere for her to go and no chance of escape. Now, with the police closing in on a suspect and the tabloids hunting their monster, she must confront the secrets and silences that have trapped her family for so many generations. I really love the sound of this start to finish, but what I am not sure of, but what I'm wondering is Carmel must be the 10-year-old child that is mentioned in the beginning. That's that's my guess, but I, I love the sound of this as a psychological thriller type of story. So this one is Ordinary Human Failings by Megan Nolan. Mm, Good one. All right. Next is a book that I've been teasing Renee with for weeks. It's called Night Watching by Tracy Sierra. (laughs) Comes out on February 6th. And okay. It's a thriller about a mother forced to the breaking point when her life and the lives of her children are threatened by an intruder. Talk about horror story. It's about a home invasion. This woman is home alone with her young children during a blizzard, and a mother tucks her son back into bed in the middle of the night. She hears a noise, and she lives in an old house and thinks, okay, maybe it's just the house settling. But this sound is disturbingly familiar. It's the tread of footsteps, unusually heavy and slow, coming up the stairs. And then she sees the figure of a man appear in the hallway, and it's not her husband. And he's shrouded in shadows. She freaks out, obviously, quickly grabs her children and hustles down the back stairs. They have like two staircases, I guess. And there's this tiny secret room that they have in their office, in the husband's office. So she kind of goes in there. It's like a cupboard, basically. So they hide there as the man searches for them, trying to tempt the children out and trying to get them to surrender. Oh my, yeah, this setup is amazing. Oh wow. under the stairs. And the man is looking for them, walking through the house. And she's like, do I recognize that voice? Do I know him? And I will leave it there. I read this last weekend. I started it during a blizzard. And I'm saying this now because my husband's back in town, okay? So don't try it. (laughs) But he was out of town. And I was 
I'd like to scare myself. This oh, was almost gosh. too spooky even for me. I don't have an audio. I don't have a physical. I just have an ebook. And I was like, one eye open reading it on my <laughs> phone, <laughs> trying to get, because I wanted to bring the review today. But I was like, you know what? I'm just going to let it, you know, let the chips fall where they may and just take my time with this because it's scary. I'm really excited. I wonder how the audio would be. I I, I bet it's really good. And this is a hot thriller. I, I can't wait to see where it goes. I don't know what else to say other than... Oh. Get yeah. your get it on your radar. And that one is Night Watching by Tracy Sierra. Comes out on February 6th. I am dying to know what happens. Dying ding, ding, to ding. know what happens. Okay. I will say, folks, it's a bit like the quiet tenant. You know how because because some I, I see people, I love the quiet tenant. I've seen mm-hmm. people though say, oh, it's slow. And so there's like this one plays a lot with pace. Oh my God. Tense, 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 pulls back. Let's get okay. some backstory. Tense, 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 pulls back, uh, get some backstory. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's important to know. I would call that it's a thriller, but it's like a literary thriller. Mm-hmm. So because there's definitely some backstory. And right now I'm just wondering, I'm getting coming to know who she is. So. Okay. Well, that makes sense because I I mean, you you, you got to get a whole book out of this. Well, right. So, <laughs> right. like, what? Ha- right, exactly. <laughs> like, you can't just be under the stairs for you know three hundred. Right. That that's just, yes, exactly. Okay, this is a good one. Ooh, my second book is The Road from Bellhaven by Margot Livesey, and it comes out February sixth. This book is about Lizzie Craig and growing up in the care of her grandparents. Lizzie ends up discovering as a small child that she can see into the future but her gift is selective. She doesn't, for example, see that she has an older sister who will come to join the family. As her, quote, pictures foretell various incidents and accidents, she begins to realize a painful truth. She may glimpse the future, but she can seldom change it. Nor can Lizzie change the feelings that come when a young man named Lewis visiting Bellhaven for the harvest, begins to court her. Why have the adults around her not revealed that the touch of a hand can change everything? After following Lewis to Glasnow, Lizzie learns the limits of his devotion. And then, faced with a seemingly impossible choice, she makes a terrible mistake. But her second sight may allow her a second chance. Or will it? This book is being billed as luminous and transporting. And I love the sound of that. And you know, you know, this is something that is just right up my alley with her being able to see into the future. Like maybe she's a psychic. I mean, without, she's not being called a psychic, but that's what it sounds like. But along those lines, what happens when you can see, but you can't change it? And that is really that's really intriguing. So this one is The Road from Bellhaven by Margot Livesey. Oh, yeah. So we spoke about mind reading and seeing into the future in class yesterday, too. Oh. Kind of brought that up. And I was like, I don't want to know. Don't tell me. I don't want to know what's going to happen to me. I just let me live in peace in this moment and don't tell me what's going to happen. You know, would you mm-hmm. want to see into the future? You like that, though, don't you? I no, I I don't. Here's what I like. I don't want to know what's going to happen. I more like the idea of here are things that might be in your future as far as like a job, a career. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like years ago when I went to a psychic, years ago, I was told that you were I have would have a podcast. No, not specifically yeah. that, but I was told that I would be doing something 
in the book world what that was going to be a series and but I but she said I don't know if you're going to be writing a weekly column writing something like and and that was when I was like huh all right she's like but you have to take action so I I said okay well I'll go that's when I went and I was like I'm going to start a blog amazing like that's really cool isn't that neat yeah it's really yeah cool. I mean I just it's things like that but I don't want to know I don't ask health questions. I don't want to know health. I don't want to know yeah, specifics. I don't want to mm-hmm. know things about family members. That mm. sort, you know, that sort of thing. Yeah, I feel you. All right, this is one of my most highly anticipated books for 2024. It is a love song for Ricky Wilde by Tia mm-hmm. Williams, and this comes out on February 6th. That is a hot pub day. There are so many books coming out that day that I want. She is the author, of course, of Seven Days in June, Five Star Read for Me, and I thought this was so clever. Because the first sentence of the synopsis is, leap years are a strange, enchanted time. And we're in a leap year. Smart people here in marketing. And for some, even a single February can be life-changing. Ricky Wilde has many talents, but being a Wilde isn't one of them. As the impulsive, artistic daughter of a powerful Atlanta dynasty, she's the opposite of her famous socialite sisters. In her bones, though, she knows that somewhere a different, more exciting life waits her. When a regal nonagenarian, which I had to Google, it means she's in her 90s, woman named Miss Della invites her to rent the bottom floor of her Harlem brownstone, she jumps at the chance for a fresh beginning. She leaves behind her family, wealth, and chaotic romance decisions to realize her dream of opening a flower shop. Just beneath the surface of her new neighborhood, the music, stories, and dazzling drama of the Harlem Renaissance still simmers. Then one evening, Ricky encounters a handsome, deeply mysterious stranger who knocks her world off balance in the most unexpected way. This is set against the backdrop of a modern Harlem and Renaissance glamour. It's a swoon-worthy love story of two passionate artists drawn to the magic, romance, and opportunity of New York and whose lives are uniquely and irreversibly linked. I am cautiously optimistic I'm a little worried, though, because it says it's an epic love story, 100 years in the making. Mm. And I'm like, is there time travel in this? I don't know why. Something about this gave me... Interesting. I'm yeah. not sure. So, hey, I'm willing to go for the ride, though. I'm very curious. I like the setting. But I'll report back. It is a love song for Ricky Wilde by Tia Williams. Okay, yeah. That's in, yeah, I'm intrigued. Maybe it maybe it's a generational sort of reference. I hope it's generational. Yeah, but I was like 100 years, right? Yeah. I mean, that's a really they're adults Ooh. when they meet presumably. But right. Anyway, maybe the octogenary or the 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 90-year-old lady has yeah. something to do with it. I don't know. Oh, I bet. I bet you're I'm right. speculating, but yeah. yeah. All right, my next book, I decided I needed to include a romance. It sounds it it sounds like a complicated romance, but you know, I'm leaning into that. And also it comes out February 13th. So it is Leaving by Roxana Robinson. And the central question of this story asks, what risks would you be willing to take to fall in love again? And this is about Sarah and William's college love story, which ended in a single moment. I love those types of stories. Like what okay, what happened? Already, we're, we're cutting to decades later when a chance meeting brings them together. A passion is reignited. However, it threatens the foundation of the lives that they've built since they've been apart. Because since they parted in college, each of them has married, 
raised a family, and made a career. And when they meet again, Sarah is divorced and living outside New York, while William is still married and living in Boston. And when they meet, sparks fly. Sarah feels emotionally alive for the first time in decades. Still, she's hesitant to make any moves after her painful divorce. And also, William is married. (laughs) William has apparently no reservations. He wants to jump full force in, which again is complicated because he has a wife and a daughter. What sounds like happens is a, a an affair does begin. And the question is, what is going to happen? What are the moral responsibilities of their love for their families and each other? What happens when loyalty and desire mix? And in this book, apparently will lead to a shattering conclusion. So I don't know about you, but I absolutely need to know what happens. I do not have a problem reading about people, very complicated people, making probably not great decisions. And I need, I'm very curious about what will happen and what the what this story, the themes this story seems to explore. It is Leaving by Roxana Robinson. That sounds so good. Can you please read it and tell me what you think? I will. I'm planning on it. It sounds so I want to read it before. Good. Yeah, I want to definitely read it by the the time it's published, like for Tuesday before Valentine's Day episode. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Maybe we'll do something interesting that day. Yeah. All right. Next for me is another book in my wheelhouse. It's A Step Past Darkness by Vera Kurian. comes out on February 20th. And there is something sinister just under the surface of the idyllic suburban town of Wesley Falls. And it's not just the abandoned coal mine that lies underneath it. It's the summer of 1995, and it kicks off with a party in the mine where six high school students witness a horrifying crime that changes the course of their lives. Hello, teenagers who might be listening. Please don't play in abandoned mines. That is not a good place for you to be. I could never. The six could not be more different. Maddie is a devout member of the local megachurch. Kelly is a bookworm. James is the cynical burnout. Casey is a lovable football player. Padma is the shy straight-A student. And Gia, who's starting to see visions she can't explain. And when they realize they can't trust anyone but each other, they begin to investigate what happened on their own. As tensions escalate in a town in a breaking point, the six make a vow of silence, bury their evidence, and promise never to speak again. And their plan almost works. 20 years later, Gia, who had the visions, calls them back to Wesley Falls. Maddie has been murdered, and they are the only ones who can uncover why. But to end things, they have to return to the mine one last time. Okay, I'll do that. I'm, I'll go with you in the mind from afar. <laughs> that sounds so good to me. And I'll let you know. It's A Step Past Darkness by Vera Kurian. Okay. All right. Good. My next pick is The Turtle House by Amanda Churchill. And it comes out February 20th. And this is a story that is going to move between the late 1990s in a small town in Texas to pre-World War II Japan and occupied Tokyo. And this is a literary debut about a grandmother and granddaughter who connect over a beloved lost place and the secrets they both carry. So in the spring of 1999, 
25-year-old Leah Cope and her prickly 73-year-old grandmother are sharing a bedroom in Curtin, Texas, the ranching town where Leah grew up and her grandmother, whose name is Mineko, began her life as a Japanese war bride. And at this time, both women are at a turning point in their lives. Mineko is long-widowed, and she is moving in with her son and daughter-in-law after a suspicious fire destroyed the Cope family ranch house, while Leah, who is an architect with a promising career in Austin, has unexpectedly returned under circumstances she refuses to explain. And though Leah and her grandmother were never especially close, the two of them end up growing closer, sharing late-night conversations. And her grandmother ends up telling her stories of her early life in Japan, of the war that changed everything, and of her two great loves, a man named Akio Sato and an abandoned Japanese country estate they called the Turtle House. And that is where her relationship with him took place. So this is going to be a story about a grandmother and her granddaughter, but also about past loves and their current lives. Now, something ends up happening too. And Mineko's adult children decide against her wishes to move her into an assisted living community. And that is when she and Leah devise a plan to bring a beloved lost place to life, one that they hope will offer the safety and sense of belonging they both need, no matter the cost. I ended up picking this because I was close with my grandma, and I'm just drawn to this story of this grandmother and granddaughter and their relationship. Also, this book has themes of coming of age, which I really like, identity, love, and intergenerational friendships. That was The Turtle House by Amanda Churchill. Yes, that sounds, when you talked about the grandma, I said, yep, I see why you picked this one. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to that one. Yeah. All right. My last one is very, very interesting. It's called The American Daughters by Maurice Carlos Ruffin. And I liked his book a lot. We cast a shadow. I read it years ago and it was very interesting, very provocative. And this one has quite the synopsis. It's about Addie, a curious, sharp-witted girl and her fierce mother, Sanity. They are inseparable. They're enslaved to a businessman in the French Quarter of New Orleans. They spend their day dreaming of a loving future and reminiscing about their family's rebellious and storied history. When the mom and daughter get separated, Addie is left hopeless and directionless until she stumbles into the Mockingbird Inn and meets Lenore, a free Black woman, and she becomes fast friends with her. Lenore invites Addie to join a clandestine society of spies called the Daughters, With the courage instilled in her by sanity and with help from these strong women, Addie learns how to put herself first and so begins her journey toward liberation and imagining a new future. The American Daughters is a novel of hope and triumph that reminds us what is possible when a community bands together to fight for their freedom. Oh, that sounds good. So good to me. And I really like his writing. I can't wait to see what he does with this one. It's The American Daughters, and this one comes out on February 27th, and the author is Maurice Carlos Ruffin. Okay, good. All right. My last book is Mrs. Gulliver by Valerie Martin, and it comes out February 20th. 
And in this story, which it's set in 1954, and we are on a far-flung Verona Island, a tropical paradise with a fragile economy and a rising crime rate. And here, sex work is legal, and Lila Gulliver is proud of her business. She is running a high-end brothel where her clients are guaranteed privacy and discretion. And one day, when Carita Bursi, a young, destitute, and beautiful blind woman, arrives at her door seeking employment, Lila decides to give her a chance. Carita ends up proving to be a, quote, valuable asset to the house, as well as a psychological puzzle to her employer. And then, one hot night, Ian Drowen, a handsome youth and the scion of the wealthiest family on the island, visits Lila's house and ends up falling madly in love with Carita. The problem is, Lila doubts his sincerity and fears for Carita's future. However, Carita has no such fears. In fact, she is a reckless force of nature, determined to succeed in ways Lila hasn't even contemplated. And that is the premise of this story. This is being billed as a star-crossed lover's story in the spirit of Romeo and Juliet. It is a tale of passionate love, found and lost and found again. I did also see some publisher notes about this being a feminist story, so I was intrigued by that. It is Mrs. Gulliver by Valerie Martin. Comes out February 20th. All right. Good job. All right. Let's do current reads. My current read is One of the Good Guys by Araminta Hall. Uh, And she's an author I always seek out. She wrote Our Kind of Cruelty, which I really liked. And this one is a wild ride. Basically, it's about Cole, who's supposedly the perfect husband. He's one of the good guys. And this one does a lot of rumination on men versus women, on feminism, on gender roles. And audio is the way to go with this one. It uses a little bit of mixed media. So he'll be like typing an email and you'll hear clack, 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 clack. Me too. Oh, did I mess? You'll hear clack, clack, clack. Or you'll hear him get a text. You'll hear that notification. There's like, you know, kind of just elements that are infused in it. I'm really enjoying it. I'm about 75% in and all I want to do is finish. So, so far, so good. You'll hear about this soon. It's one of the good guys by Araminta Hall. Okay. My current read, I am buzzing about. Okay. Mm. This has been on my radar for a long time. And this is a book that I've always wondered about. And I'm trying to get to different ones of these every year. And this one is Fates and Furies by Lauren Groff. Everyone probably already knows about this, but I had never read it. I don't know why I've never read it. it may, I have a feeling it just wasn't the right time before now. And then after I loved The Vaster Wilds, I was like, okay, I need more Lauren Groff. What's it going to be? Now's the time to find out about Fates and Furies. And what this this is a story. This is a... Oh my goodness. It's an examination of a marriage, but also a portrait of creative partnership. The structure of this is really interesting. I'm about halfway. I am halfway, actually. Um, And in the story, we have Lotto and Mathilde. And at the age of 22, they fall madly in love. They're both tall, they're glamorous, and they are destined for greatness. Or are they? 
Because remember, every story has two sides. Every relationship has two perspectives. And sometimes it turns out the key to a great marriage, it's not its truths, but its secrets. Oh, okay. I am not going to say anything else about this book or what I'm thinking about it because when I bring this back as a latest read, I am going to just, I have so much to say already. And I want to make sure I'm finished so that I can properly give all of my thoughts. I have so many thoughts. I can see why this was so, so buzzy when it came out and still people are talking about it. So it's Fates and Furies by Lauren Groff. That is a good one I've always wanted to read, so I'm very curious to hear what you think. That's it for today. We thank you for spending a part of your day with us. Links to all the books mentioned can be found in the show notes. If you enjoyed today's episode, you can help us by following wherever you listen and by leaving a review on Apple Podcasts. It helps us get our show out to new listeners and grows our audience. And don't forget, if you would like access to exclusive bonus content and community, please join us for $5 a month on patreon.com slash booktalk, etc. If you'd like to connect with us, email us at booktalketc at gmail.com. You can also find us at booktalketc on Instagram, Tina at TBR, etc., and me, Renee, at It's Book Talk. Talk to you next week. In the meantime, remember, everything's better with books. Well, first it snowed, and then we got that up. So there's some people that have snow and then ice on top of that. And it's been so cold, it hasn't thawed at all. And then more snow twice on top of that. We just got snow last night, like two inches, I think. And I'm like, what the, is it going to end? So like when you step it, Lily can walk across the snow without getting into it. Oh, it's that compact. It's that compact. Oh my gosh. She's like, mom, look. I was like, oh my God. Like you're not even breaking the surface. Yeah. Like it is. Ooh.